everybody. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me, as always, is the super brilliant Jonathan Strickland. Let's bowl, let's bowl, let's rock and roll. Indeed. Yeah, how are you doing, Ariel? <laughs> I'm, you know, I am, I am doing peachy keen. I am lots of cool geeky things on the horizon for me uh you know my band's playing a an improvised D in the next month and a bunch of other fun things how about you uh i'm i'm doing pretty well i've got a lot of cool geeky things in the works uh next month i'm gonna go see a an improvised D show and my <laughs> friend's band is playing so <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. For those who are, are curious, especially for those in the Atlanta area, the Dad's Garage Theater Group has been doing an improvised D&D show for several years now. And Mark Meir, who uh, was the voice actor for the male Commander Shepard and has been on lots of other stuff, is the creator of that format. He comes down on occasion to DM or Dungeon Master the improvised show. He's going to be there that weekend Mm -hmm. and uh, Ariel's band is going to be playing as well. So she's she's part of the entertainment and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, we're you know, we're not going to be on the big stage. We're just a lobby band. So, you know, no, 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 you're not just a lobby band. You are the musical accompaniment to a night of revelry. You know what? That is true. I'm very excited about it. We're we're pulling out songs we haven't done in a while because normally we, you know, lately we our biggest gig has been Pirate Palooza. Um, not that we don't do other stuff, but like that's that's our standard gig. And so we've got like our set of music that we do. But because this isn't a pirate gig, it's a D&D gig. We're not doing all the pirate songs. So we're pulling a lot of other songs that I absolutely love back out of the closet um, or a drawer or wherever we've put them. I don't know. I don't keep track of that and we're also working up some fun new incredibly geeky stuff i'm super super excited yes and just in case you're wondering what the heck pirate palooza is because ariel just dropped that as if it's a thing sorry i it's just assume everybody knows every every talk like a pirate day or right around there we here in atlanta have this pub crawl where a bunch of people dress up like pirates and stumble pub to pub and it typically ends with a big musical performance at the end of the day. It's actually a celebration of the birthday of uh, Andrew who, who also organizes the thing and uh, <laughs> Captain Drew, as we call him. And uh, sometimes I show up as a, a representative of, of uh, her majesty's Navy. And we end up having um, a, a rivalry between the two of us. But uh, I haven't been there in, in quite some time, but it's it's a it's a fun, rollicking time. Again, if you're in the Atlanta area, <laughs> search for Pirate Palooza when it starts coming around, you know, mid-September and find out when and where it's going to happen. It almost well, I mean, it always happens in Decatur. Yeah, uh, but I'm sorry. I just dropped a bunch of stuff. Anyhow, uh, lots of geeky stuff happening in, in our personal circles, but also a lot of geeky stuff happening in the world um, that we're going to get into this episode. Uh, But first, I wanted to say thank you to listener Tara for reaching out and giving us her review on the book, The Power. Um, It it has made me more excited for the uh, for the movie, the I guess it's a TV movie coming out. Yeah, this is the story about young women discovering that they have evolved the ability to essentially harness electricity, at least according to the 
trailers we've seen and that this in turn shifts the power dynamic whereas mm-hmm. young women would typically be at a disadvantage from a power standpoint now the literal superpowers they have uh, allow them to change that so uh yeah we were really appreciative of getting that review because it confirmed the things i thought the 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 film would be about and uh i told ariel before the show i said man if i were wrong then that is the most misleading trailer i have ever seen but i wasn't <laughs> wrong which yeah, there's a first time for everything yeah i was say you're you're pretty wrong because you watched all the way through the first season of elma I'm kidding. If you like well, Velma and you listen to this show, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to talk about that after 30 seconds or less, oh, but, but we'll go no, ahead and do it. We we'll can go ahead and do we it. We can shelve it. It's no, fine. No, no. Let's let's listen. Let's rip that bandaid off, shall we? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I watched uh, I watched the last like, I guess the ninth and 10th episodes of Velma. I'm assuming those are the last ones for this season because they wrap up the storyline. You find out what has happened to Velma's mother and you find out who's been killing all the popular girls and you find out why. And um, yeah, it doesn't get better. It is (laughs) just as miserable an experience. In fact, it might even be a more miserable experience by the end of it as it was at the beginning. And I wanted it to be good. Like I like shows that, that poke fun at the source material that inspired them. Right. Like I like mm-hmm. C lab 2021. I like the venture brothers. And even though the venture brothers isn't a direct adaptation of something from before, it's, you know, obviously taking, taking shots at Johnny quest mm-hmm. and series like that. Um, but Velma just, I, I, I kept feeling like it's, it's a cynical attempt to cash in on an IP while not really honoring that IP at all and not, not even being clever with how they're subverting the IP. No, but they think they're clever. They do think that, yes, they, I'm not going to say what I was going to (laughs) say. I just backed (laughs) off because in my head, I thought, no, that's gross and you don't need to say it. But they, uh, there was a joke in either the episode nine or episode 10. I watched them back to back. There was a joke in one of those where uh, they say something about sitcoms or making a joke about sitcoms and and Velma just casually says, they you know, like, uh, oh, so it's always looking backward and not innovating in any way. And I'm thinking that's what this is. I mean, that's the joke. But no, 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 it was not a self-aware joke. Are you? It, I am certain it was not a self. As I watched it, I'm like. This is not being delivered at all as being a self-aware thing because it's being so offhandedly mentioned. It's not set up as, look, we're doing the thing we're joking about. It just, to me, I mean, if it was self-aware, it was delivered in such a way that you don't get that feeling, which means it's a failed joke either way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will take your word for it. I'm sorry I even questioned you because I didn't make it through the first episode. It just... It was not my cup of tea. You um, made the right decision. Like I, I kept hoping for it to get better or for the storyline to have a payoff that was, that made the whole effort worthwhile. It never did. And I wanted it to be good. Like I really did want to enjoy this and I kept giving it chance after chance and I just didn't like it. And 
I mean, to, to go into all the reasons why would obviously take like a full episode. So we're, we're not going to burden you, our beloved listeners with that terrible fate. Yeah. Instead. Um, how about we go to 30 seconds or less, and then we can talk about anything else that we saw that maybe brought us joy. Sure. That sounds great. Uh, and the, the first thing in 30 seconds or less actually brings me quite a bit of joy, which is that we're getting a live action Spider-Man noir series uh, at Amazon, which is interesting um, that it's coming to Amazon and not Disney plus, but uh, I guess that's because it's, it's Spider-Man and that's Sony. Uh, but it's being written and produced by Oren Uziel, who did the lost city formerly known as the lost city of D that's that Sandra Bullock Channing Tatum movie. Uh, that was incredibly dorky and and wrote, but also a lot of fun. Uh, it's set in the 1930s. I'm really excited. It's got the series is being developed with the producers of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Um, yeah, super excited. Yeah, no, that that sounds cool. I doubt they'll get Nicolas Cage. That's fine because he voiced it. But anyway, all right. So let me do my next. Here's mine. Uh, and I'm going to go. So you remember Gladiator? You remember Gladiator? Uh, that was Braveheart, yes. but in Braveheart, but in Roman armor. That was yes. <laughs> it wasn't three hundred. It was one. <laughs> it also wasn't Pirates of the Caribbean. But if you listen to the musical score for Gladiator, you would be forgiven for thinking yes. it was the same as the musical score for Pirates of the Caribbean. They sound it, identical. It's Russell uh, Crowe in a skirt. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, we're getting a, a sequel that nobody asked for, and it's going to follow Lucius, who was the nephew of Commodus, the bad guy from Gladiator, mm. and it comes out in 2024. Nice. Yeah, I went a little over there. Sorry about that. It's but, my fault. Uh, I, I interrupted you. Uh, <laughs> listen, and some people some people did want a sequel. That's why we got Robin Hood. Anyhow, uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my turn. Okay. Uh, we're getting a God of War TV series. That's not super new news, although it did kind of fall off the radar for a while. Uh, now we've got a little bit of news that it has started production and that they're keeping all the values of the game, but also expanding upon the world. It's interesting that uh, they're saying they're keeping the values of the game because I'm guessing that just means they're keeping like the main plot in there. Well, uh, my guess, okay, so my guess is that if you look at the 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 most recent two God of War games, that's where anything that remotely can be related to the word values can be <laughs> can be ascribed because in the previous God of War trilogy, it was such excess and there was a lot of um sexy schmexy stuff in it or incredibly exploitative and kind of mm -hmm. gross stuff, depending upon your perspective. A um, lot of, a lot of like a lot of service to juvenile male fantasies, but then you look at the more recent God of War games and it tends to be stories about uh, a father attempting to raise his son to be a survivor, but also trying to make sure that his son doesn't fall into the same kind of trap that he yeah. did so i'm thinking that that's going to be it and gotcha my initial knee-jerk reaction to this news ariel was that man i don't think we need that but then i didn't think we needed a last of us series and uh holy cats was i wrong but yeah. we'll talk about that I, in a bit I, yeah i would say i'm not caught up to that um also i've i haven't 
watched the most recent God of War game uh, because I didn't play the last one, but uh, my my husband played Dad of War. Um, and I watched that. And so, you know, I haven't watched Dad of War 2, but I'm excited for it. Okay, we have way gone over 30 seconds on that one. Well, yeah, it's, that's, that was fair. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so... Uh, Discovery Plus is going to remain a standalone service, which is odd because it's also merging with HBO Max. Uh, The HBO Max Discovery Plus merger is going to bring some, but not all of Discovery's content to it. Discovery Plus will stay as it is, probably because there's a fear that if the price of subscription goes up a whole bunch, everyone would cancel. And so we're going to have two streaming services rather than consolidated. I'm real quick. I'm interested to see what gets moved over to HBO Max and what doesn't, what they think HBO Max people will want to watch from Discovery. Yeah, I'm honestly, the more this goes on, the more I'm like, why bother even doing the merger still? Because I mean, apart from the fact that you're they're slashing the content that's on HBO Max and it needs to be replaced with something. I just don't get it because I'm like, I don't know about the average HBO Max owner. I know that I have no desire for any discovery content on my HBO Max. They they said that they there there has been discovery content that I have liked, but they've said that they're uh, done cutting content and going to start making new content now. Okay, Uh, so we'll see if that happens. Uh, next story. Do you like the... I'm yelling into my microphone, everybody. You're welcome. The next story. Do you like The Office? Do you like Mass Effect? Well, if you do, uh, great news for you. A YouTube uh, YouTuber, Eli underscore handle underscore B dot way, uh, made a Michael Scott in Mass Effect video. It's pretty funny. Uh, it might be my favorite Mass Effect mashup thus far. If you haven't seen it already, we will link it on our webpage, www.largenerdrunklider.com, likely by Monday. Cool. Uh, next up, one of mine. So Mark Hamill, a.k.a. Luke Skywalker, is going to be selling signed Star Wars memorabilia which is bonkers. It's the sort of thing you think, why is Mark Hamill selling this stuff? Well, it's to raise money. Specifically, he's raising money to contribute to the Ukrainian army uh, as they face the the continuing Russian invasion of their country. So yeah, you can look up the uh, the the stuff on, uh, on Politico. Uh, they have a whole article about it and you can, you know, buy some signed memorabilia from Luke Skywalker himself. Pretty cool. Uh, All right. Next, we are getting a documentary about John Candy. It is being made by Colin Hanks, which is Tom Hanks's kid, and Ryan Reynolds. Uh, It's with full cooperation of uh, Candy's family. I think it's pretty cool. We'll get to see a little bit about what inspired him to do what he did and a little bit about his personal life. He, his humor didn't always hit me like as my favorite kind of humor, but he seemed like a nice guy. So, yeah, uh, a comedy legend out of Canada. He was part of SCTV. Uh, he was in lots of very popular movies in the 80s. And I was shocked to learn he died at the age of 43. Like, yeah, from a heart attack. I'm older than that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, let me do my last one before I dwell too long on my own mortality. And that is 
So you you know that Fast and Furious franchise? I know you all know it. You don't need to answer. Uh, Vin Diesel has said that he would love for Robert Downey Jr. to be in the next one. It was just kind of like a fan casting thing when he was asked about it because he has, without giving too much away, the idea of this tech mogul who's creating cars that are capable of driving themselves and how that's the antithesis of Dom Toretto, who's all about family and Dodge Chargers. Anyway, probably not going to happen, but that was kind of his dream casting. It's, I bet it's just because he likes Iron Man. Like it's it's typecasting is what it is. Yeah, no, he he's thinking of like a combination of Iron Man and Elon Musk. That's what he's thinking, right? Like um, I have not watched a single Fast and Furious movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I am listening to the worst idea of all time. Did I tell you about this, Ariel? No, you didn't. But uh, please do. So so the worst idea of all time is a podcast where the the two hosts, Tim Bat and Guy Montgomery, will typically pick a movie that they have to watch repeatedly throughout the series. And then they they talk about it every single week. So like they did Grown Ups 2 every week for a full year, for example, or Sex in the City 2 for a full year. Right now, what they're doing is they're working their way through the Fast and Furious franchise by watching each film in the franchise, the number of times that it appears in the like uh, uh, as its number. So like Fast and Furious nine, they're watching nine times. Okay, I I think you did tell me about this, but it seemed like such a I I don't know. The idea scared me. And so maybe I. (laughs) I blocked it out of my memory. Well, the the episodes are very funny. I've been listening to them and that's how I've I've only experienced Fast and Furious 9 cuz they're still watching it. They haven't they haven't <laughs> moved down to 8 yet. Um gotcha. but that's that's sort of like the where I'm at. Also, by the way, as we are recording this, in fact, a couple hours before we recorded this, the trailer for Fast 10 came out and I forgot to look it up before we went to to record. But but here's the thing, and I feel this way about a bunch of stuff we talked about like last year or last week and even with one of the things we're going to talk about this week uh is people are like oh the first trailer has dropped but the teaser trailers are so long now and so show so much that they're not really first trailers anymore we've already seen stuff for the new fast and furious movie well the only thing i saw was a shot of everybody getting out of various cars which is why I knew Dodge Charger, because I saw that one of them was in a Dodge Charger. But I mean, it's uh, I don't know. I like I have no connection to these movies. It, they're, they are so outside of my interest that I've just never really gotten into them. Uh, but I, I don't begrudge people enjoying them. They definitely seem like the kind of movies that you need to see in the theater because it just isn't going to translate to like a home theater experience. But um, but it doesn't have enough to pull me into it. I, I guess maybe if someone were to, you know, start up a, uh, a marathon day where they're going to show every single film in the fast franchise and they paid me to do it, maybe then I would do it. Well, I was going to say, I, I have been meaning to watch the fast movies cause I hear after the first couple few, they get, you know, kind of funny, although they seem real serious again. So I don't, I don't know. Well, um, yeah, the thing that the the hosts say is that the biggest problem they have is Vin Diesel's character has no sense of humor at all. Like, no, there's no humor to it, not just sense of humor, no humor. And that watching a humorless character through an action film ends up becoming kind of a drag, uh, mm-hmm. drag racing, I guess. And so they 
they're not looking forward to the other films in the series. Yeah, but hey, listen, you might like Fast and the Furious. You didn't think you'd like Night Court, and you loved the latest episode. I mean, I I didn't love it. <laughs> I liked it. I said oh, I said that okay. okay, what I said to Ariel <laughs> was that I thought it was probably the best of the bunch so far. I don't think that I still don't think it's a good show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it I think it does have it is very much the spiritual successor to Night Court. It still has that sort of corny, dated sitcom style that I just thought had completely passed out of fashion. So I was shocked to see it, but um, yeah, I just, uh, uh, I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was perhaps the best episode they had so far. And I, I definitely felt like episodes four and five were a dramatic improvement over episodes one through three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like as the characters get more comfortable in who they are and they have to establish less. Look, I took a, I took a class on, on uh, pilot episodes recently and I feel like the first three episodes of Night Court were all trying to do what the pilot episode does, which is establish the characters and relationships, mm-hmm. which means nobody, everybody's trying so hard to get certain points across and, and certain key uh, items across that maybe they aren't as relaxed into the characters in the story yet. I mean, there are very few pilot episodes that I just truly love. Yeah, no, I mean, the same. Like there are, there's some where the pilot episode stands out pretty well, but very few. And uh, Night Court in particular, I felt like they were taking shortcuts mm-hmm. where characters were were making jokes about each other that they really like we hadn't seen these relationships develop at all. So the jokes didn't really land because we didn't see the stuff that led to the joking. Yeah. Um, like one of the, the court clerk in particular makes a joke about how the judge is always trying to look into the lives of the people who are appearing before her in order to fix them. But we hadn't really seen that. And so it didn't really work for me in that sense. But anyway, the, I do think episode five was an improvement. Uh, We also, since the last episode, we've both seen Wakanda forever, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I liked it. I did not love it. I, you know, I've heard a lot of people have a lot of varied opinions on it. Um, I liked it more than, than Tony did. Uh, I thought everything dealing with the, the passing, well, everything dealing with the passing of T'Challa because Chadwick Boseman, passed away uh wrecked me it just completely wrecked me every single time throughout the entire movie um i the plot wasn't the strongest uh but i did like the underwater city design and the character design of the atlanteans yeah except they're not the atlanteans now no but um the the namor and his people yeah i i thought um Black Panther gave us Killmonger, who was a villain who had a pretty cool uh, backstory, like mm-hmm. one where you're like, oh, I, I get why he is the way he is and what his motivations are. Namor or Namor was very much the same, right? Like you understand where he's coming from and why he's concerned. Uh, although I think they took like they had to take some shortcuts with that in order to fit in all the other stuff like giving the passing of T'Challa enough weight and acknowledgement so that it would be a fitting tribute to Chad Chadwick. Otherwise it would be like a, 
uh, an insult. Right. So mm-hmm. I think it kind of struggled due to that. And um, yeah, it's also, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I don't like Shuri very much. Um, and I don't know how much of that is me being biased because I have issues with the actress. I don't know how much of that is just due to the way the character is written and performed. I just know that as the movie was unfolding, I was like, I do not like her. Like I I like every other character in this movie more than I like her, including Namor. I, I, so, okay. I thought that Namor was, um, he was way more charming than I expected him to be in the comics. He's just like a, a complete jerk. He's such a butthead. Uh, but he, he was kind of charming, which I think you need, again, you need to relate to the villains. You need to know that they honestly believe what they're trying to do. You know, all of these things. They did great with that. Um, I, so I liked Shuri in the first movie in this one. I didn't think that her character had quite enough arc of growth. Um, between the beginning and the end, like I wish that it had been more of a journey instead of kind of like a flat line with a vague spike. spike. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I will say that like, I did not like uh, what they did to the door dormelage. Is that there? Oh, the, the guard. Yeah. I, my, my partner knows the name immediately and I'm a bad fan because I keep forgetting. Well, now I'm looking it up. So everybody gets to listen to my clicky clacks. You just can say the guards. <laughs> no, uh, the Dormelage or Dormelage. Anyhow, they put them in these like super suits, which I didn't super, super like. And and my husband was like, the coolest thing about them is how they're so like just completely badass as they are with their, yeah. you know, with their pipe, with their spears. Mm-hmm. Um, and to kind of take that away, uh, lacked something and i agree i agree yeah it 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 does seem to take a step back like it's also um okay let me just say this like uh, so you know it's in the trailer it was in the film the bit with riri williams where she's forging her suit apparently and she knocks out the heart shape out of iron that Mm -hmm. that doesn't that that's like not even part of the finished suit like that's there's you see nothing in there that looks anything like that in the finished suit. No, there's there is a heart shape in the suit, but uh, it looks very anime. It feels cartoonish compared to maybe Iron Man. And I don't mind that because maybe that fits. I'm not as familiar with Ironheart, so maybe that fits the comics more. But yeah, that that little rough heart wasn't visible. Maybe it, it was just, in there I was like, like, that looks like that was just there to be in the trailer to hit to hint at the Marvel fans. The I mean, diehards that that, that scene Riri was in the in movie. It. Yeah, no, no, no. But I'm saying because it doesn't actually show up in the um the the film as as part of the suit at the end, that mm-hmm. that was obviously just there <laughs> to yeah to be like, hey, guess who this is? Um, I I liked I ha- her. I like the actress, and oh, I'm yeah. looking I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Ironheart the series. Me, uh, me too. Uh, I had many friends who thought that the um, Namor's uh, community looked like Navi from Avatar. I wouldn't know. I haven't seen it. Uh, I feel like 
in the action scenes where they're obviously, um, you know, CGI, uh, distant blue people jumping around, I could kind of see it, but close up, I really liked the detail in like how, like there were, uh, more skin toned closer to their mouths. And then as it went out, they turned to bluer because it's a, they explain it in the movie. If you haven't watched it yet, I don't want to ruin it for you. Um, so well, I kind of liked that detail. It's, uh, you know, I think for most people, like we're the ones who are way behind on this one. Yeah, obviously, yeah, that's true. Cause this movie came out last year and we just finally watched it. Uh, I will say this. I liked it more than, uh, Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. Mm-hmm. I liked it way more than the Eternals. Um, Did you like it more than Aquaman? I've only seen, well, I've only seen Wakanda forever once, but I've only seen Aquaman once and it was a long time ago. Okay. And I don't think I liked Aquaman very much. Like I found it off putting. I didn't Mm. enjoy it. Um, But anyway, that's kind of, our take on Wakanda forever uh, out of curiosity, Ariel, you said you're not caught up on last of us. What episode have you last watched? Um, I just finished episode two. Oh, Ariel, you're, Oh, you're holding off on the best episode I, so far. I think I started like, I started like the first five minutes of episode three and then I had, I got pulled away. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. Well, episode because episode five comes out today as we're recording this because they don't want to uh, uh, release over the Super Bowl, which is yeah, the superb owl is going to be on Sunday. So that's why we can't have last of us come out the same day that the superb owl takes fly. So, yeah. uh, so yeah, we're going to get that today instead. And uh, episode four also great. Doesn't hit nearly to the same degree as episode three did for me as I- uh, emotionally, but as an episode, it was great. So I, I kind of like that, though, because, you know, the first episode was very emotionally hard hitting. And then the second episode was still emo- like still emotional. There are still bad things that happen, but it was a much easier watch. Right. And then episode, mm-hmm. at least according to you, for me, episode one wasn't horrible because I didn't know what to expect. So I had a little bit less like anticipation for it. You know, episode three, again, very emotional, very um heartstring pulling and then so like they're giving you they're not an episode to recover yeah an episode to recover they're not making it all difficult which is especially great for anybody like me who maybe is not doesn't have the time always to watch them when they come out so i might watch two in a row uh my as i said my friends and i are also watching hunters which is a an amazon series which deals with you know very very serious subject matter and watching two episodes of that in a row is real difficult. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I look forward to you catching up so we can talk about it because yes. it's I'm the only one like my my partner is not watching this with me. So I have Same. no one to talk about Listen. Uh, this with. And it's driving me crazy. <laughs> uh, listen, my partner's not watching it with me either. And it's not that he doesn't want to. It's that uh, it's He's that playing the game. He He hasn't played the game yet. Um, but he, he feels like he should play the game first cause he doesn't want to ruin the game, but I'm like, you know what happens? I'll, I'll probably convince him, but unlike stranger at the beginning of stranger things, I think I've grown to a point where like, I've watched the first two episodes by myself and I was fine. So it'll well, be good. I also don't think that, that it's, 
I don't think it's as as gross, horror, scary as a lot of other zombie type films. Also, I no. saw this whole thing on I think it was the Mary Sue about we shouldn't call them zombies because they're not zombies. And then other people pointed out, hey, you know, zombie originally did not refer to the resurrected dead. It referred to people who were under uh, magical uh, influence to the point where they are essentially hypnotized and they are, have no real willpower of their own. They're still alive. So by that set, you could still call this a zombie <laughs> series. Yeah. yeah, I think really the naming thing is kind of it's kind of pointless to go through it because um you know what it you know what someone means when they say zombie like you're thinking yeah. okay largely mindless uh and and eager to Being, spread uh, but to me zombie doesn't even like to me if you're being actively controlled by someone using magic so that you don't have your own mental capabilities which i know i have a lot of friends who have issues watching that kind of a thing right um because it's scary to think of not of having somebody else being in control of your faculties when you are not. That's, that's a horrible thought, right? Uh, that to me feels very active and I think it should be different than, <laughs> than zombie, which to me should be uh, creatures or a group of creatures that are being controlled passively by another entity. Interesting. Whether- it is interesting because again, like the original in, uh, version of zombie was all about, kind of a, a, a voodoo hoodoo sort of, mm-hmm. uh, uh, element, which was more of that, that, you know, some practitioner using people as their, their, you know, slaves essentially yeah. through the use of these magical abilities. But, uh, that, that's a, you know, debate that will go on forever. I, whether you call them zombies or not, it's fine. Uh, I do think though that the series doesn't have the same kind of gross out terror that a lot of zombie films have, but it has a lot of psychological tension and, Mm -hmm. and some of that comes from the zombies. But for me, just like in the game, most of it comes when you're encountering other people. Listen, that's, that's always the hardest for me. Pretend monsters are so much less scary than, than human ones. Yeah. Well, and and, and the walking dead really kind of, has traumatized everybody because that was, that was a lesson that was hammered home. Every single darn episode of the walking dead is that people are the worst zombies, zombies you can deal with because you know what they're going to do, but people are terrible. Uh, I, that, that is true. Also the scariest episodes of supernatural are the ones that are dealing with just horrible people and not supernatural monsters. Um, (laughs) which that, that one of the convention where you've got all those irritating convention attendees, the worst, (laughs) Uh, ah, moving on. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, we do have some news that we thought we might talk a little bit longer about. I've, I think we did pretty well with our 30 seconds or less. We only had a couple <laughs> that went way over. Yeah. We only, only like most of them. Uh, we do, we do want to say that we're not going to talk about any of the ads that are supposed to air during the Super Bowl because Ariel plans on watching it and mm-hmm. she doesn't want to be spoiled. Yeah, yeah, like I to me talking about a commercial before it airs is just kind of why. Well, for me talking about a commercial after it airs, I'm also like why? And I realize it's exactly what the ad executives want you to do, which is why I don't do it. Fair enough. Except I talk well, about trailers all the time on this show. <laughs> 
they're a little bit different. Um, not really, but in my in my head, I'm gonna say so I feel better. Uh, so the first thing we wanted to talk about is AMC uh, announced that they are doing tiered pricing for going to see a movie. Yeah, the idea being that you know, based upon the sight lines that are available in the theater you will pay a different amount for uh, seats. So like seats that are in the front row or that are way off to one side or the other will be the cheapest seats. Seats that are in the center uh, further back are going to be more expensive. And those ones that are right in like that center area where like a lot of theaters have that, that very wide divide between the front half of the theater and the back half of the theater. Mm -hmm. I don't know about anyone else, but like my go-to is, getting some seats in the middle of the row that is behind that wide divide. Like that's, that's the space that I like. I know some people really like the back of the theater, Mm -hmm. but those are going to be the ones that are going to be the more expensive. And um, I mean, you understand why they're doing this money, Mm -hmm. but the reason they gave was uh, bull pucky in my humble opinion. (laughs) Explain. So the reason that was given was that AMC wanted to give viewers the chance to secure the specific seats they want in order to see any given film. And I'm thinking we already have that because we have reserved seats in a lot of theaters. So you don't need tiered seating for you to achieve what you say the goal is. We got that. We have solved that problem. We no longer have to show up at the theater two hours early to wait in line outside the theater so that we can get our favorite seat. We can just reserve it. What you're doing is ascribing value to the most desired seats so that only the people who are willing to pay that much get them. And maybe people who don't get to go to movies that often don't even have the, you know, they might be like, well, I can't really justify spending $5 more per ticket. Let's say to get these mm-hmm. great seats. So we're going to go and sit off to the side. And it's just like, it, it's such a change from the way we go to movies here in the States that uh, it really sticks in my craw. It's very clearly based upon things like the way theater tickets are, are priced. Mm-hmm. Like if you were to go see a show on Broadway, you would find that there are entire banks of seats that have very, very different, costs associated with them. And it's usually for things like line of sight and how close or far away you are to the stage. I, you know, so a couple of things, they also want people to sign up for their stubs program because AMC is saying that if you are a stubs member, those, some of those premium fees will be waived. Um, but the front row definitely is a, a worse viewing experience, even if, in my opinion, even if you have a reclining seat. I know I know some people who think that if you have a reclining seat, it's perfectly fine, but I just find it hard to follow everything. Yeah, I can't I can't do it. Like, I will miss stuff in the movie because I'll be looking at one quadrant of the screen and something else happens in a different quadrant. And then later in the film, I'll be like, well, where did that happen? And like, oh, no, that was in the upper right corner. You were looking at the lower left corner. Yeah. But I honestly, if I'm sitting on a far end of a row, which I'm guessing will also be cheaper seats, it's not a bad viewing experience as long as I'm far enough back. Yeah, it's it's fine. I just have that 
like, I don't, I also don't like the feeling of leaving a theater and I can't turn my head to the left or to the right because I've been <laughs> holding it in that position, especially considering yeah. that you directors out there, you know who you are. You directors yeah. who are determined to make every movie four hours long. Stop it. Stop I, it. You are a menace and you have to stop. Look, one of our friends who holds an Oscar party every year watched a bunch of the Oscar movies recently and was like, why are they all over two hours? This is unnecessary. And I agree. Yeah. Um, we used to get great movies for an hour and a half. And other thing that the, at least the article in the verge uh, that uh, we're going to link to about AMC's sightline pricing, if you want to learn a little bit more, begs the question, if you don't have a sold out theater, how do you make sure someone who's bought a less expensive ticket doesn't sit in a more expensive seat? Because I know so many people who move around and especially like during the pandemic where I've only bought tickets to shows that like are pretty much empty. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, okay, but I've got two other people or four other people in this theater with me because it's a late at night show or a middle of the day on, you know, you know, it's, it's, not a popular time. Yeah, it's not a prime viewing time. And so I pick seats far, far away from them. And then they move to seats closer than me. And I'm like, no, <laughs> get well, away. And I, I, yes, that does happen. I also want to point out something else. You mentioned earlier that it, this is in part an attempt to get more people to sign up to AMC's stub service. Everyone out there, I'm sure is already aware of this, but I'm just going to re-emphasize it. That's because that means that every time you you are purchasing tickets at AMC, they're gathering data about you and that data has value. And so they're making money off of your information. So it's not like it's not so much that you're getting fees waived. You're getting those fees offset by the data that they are harvesting from your participation in that program. And so keep that in mind, like. It's important to remember, I know that we can't really control our information to any decent extent in this country because that's just not been a priority here in the States, but it's always good to at least be mindful of it mm -hmm. so that you understand what you're trading away when you get in these programs. Now, I say that as someone who actually has an AMC Stubbs membership, so I, mean, I, I was aware that I, what was going on when I did that, but I think people need to keep that in mind. I, I do. I do think it's interesting because that's not something I had thought of. But at the same time, I'm like, every time I, I watch a TV show or a YouTube clip and there's a commercial that I don't skip, that information goes somewhere, you know, and for AMC stubs, if they're trying to figure out what kind of commercials or movies I want to watch, then, you know. Yeah, just just how to market to you. I mean, based upon like if you're going to a lot of Marvel movies, for example, you might discover that you start seeing more ads for geeky stuff. And part of that could be not just that AMC has your data, but that they sold it sold to someone it. else who's making yeah. use of it. Like it's just things to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, it's, I am, I am clearly not a fan of this decision. I think it's ultimately going to hurt AMC more than it will help it because you've already got a lot of people who are kind of like me who are saying, I don't see the benefit of the theater experience in most cases. So I'm not going to bother going. Well, mm. really you're giving another reason for those folks not to go. Yeah. Um, if you've got different opinions, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can write us and tell us, we'll tell you how at the end of the show. But speaking of falling prey to advertising, Jonathan, I want to talk about this 6,167 piece Rivendell set from Lego. Well, I have always been curious how much does it cost 
to build Rivendell. Yes, and now you know. <laughs> yeah, does it say? Is uh, it like 500 bucks? Yes, exactly. It's $499.99. It comes out on March 8th, 2023. Uh, a A little less than a month away. Uh, It is the largest Lord of the Rings set that we have gotten from Lego. And I will admit, Lego has gotten so much of my money. We have so many Lego sets in my house and we decorate with them. So that's cool. Yeah. At first I was like, they're just going to live in the basement, which is kind of our geek entertainment center. It's where we've got like our one up console and our, all of our movies and comics and things like that and games. Um, but now they've like I've got the bonsai tree and it's sitting up on my fireplace mantle and um my husband doesn't listen to this podcast so I can say I bought him the bird of paradise lego set uh because birds of paradise play a large part in farscape which is a show that he really likes uh for valentine's day so um <laughs> yeah but we've got the piano we've got the NES we've got the NES TV we've got the bat uh plane we've got uh yoda we've got the ghostbusters firehouse uh we've got starry night yeah um we've got a train we've got optimus prime who is really cool because he actually transforms into a truck and then back into optimus prime without you having to like disassemble him that's awesome yeah uh i have none of these things they are fun they are fun but they take up a lot of space That's why I do not have these things. <laughs> I have no space to take up. All my space is already taken up by too much stuff. So, but uh, I mean, for Lord of the Rings fans who are also Lego fans, I think this could be one of those, you know, put it on your wish list type of, of mm-hmm. sets. Uh, I'm a Lord of the Rings fan. I've got a tattoo to prove it, but I am not, I'm not a Lego guy. So uh, this, while I appreciate it is not on my you know, like, could someone please buy me this list? Fair enough. I think that, um, I think that the detail in the set is really spectacular. Um, the detail, any, any kind of like recreation set that Lego does for adults has a lot of really cool hidden details. And I think that's awesome. Um, the, the thought that they put into making it a good building experience because, uh, the Rivendell set, which again, you can, uh, either look up, you can either Google it or you can go to our show notes and we'll have it there has so many characters in it that are all Lego figures. It, it feels a little bit more cartoony to me than maybe some of their other recreation sets, but I still think that the detail is spectacular. Great. I I look forward to them releasing the the Lothlorien set where you Mm -hmm. can get, uh, the, the version of Galadriel where she becomes great and terrible. Awesome silvery and her hair's going all over the place i look forward to that set uh speaking of great and terrible are you now looking forward to history of the world part two because we got a new trailer which they call the first trailer but we already saw a teaser trailer which was also a full-on trailer so yeah uh i'll say this i thought this trailer was better there were some jokes that i actually found pretty amusing uh I'm not like sold on it. I don't know if I'm going to ultimately feel like there are uh, more jokes that hit than miss, but I will say, I think this was a much better trailer than the original one we got. Uh, Also, I will say that for a, a brief moment there, I was convinced they had wholeheartedly stolen from the musical something rotten. I, I agree with you. I had the same exact thought uh, because 
in the trailer, Shakespeare talks, someone tries to sell a musical to Shakespeare. And, and, like, well, and, and in the, the musical Something Rotten, in case you're not aware, in case you're not a Broadway geek like we are, uh, Something Rotten is the story of this down on his luck playwright who is a contemporary of Shakespeare's and he's sick of Shakespeare hogging the spotlight. Uh, and uh, he goes to a soothsayer who predicts that there's going to be this form of entertainment, the musical, that will be huge. Unfortunately, the soothsayer's looking into the wrong century. So he convinces this playwright to make a musical so that he can end up being the celebrated playwright of London as opposed to William Shakespeare. And for a moment, there's a joke in this History of the World 2 trailer where it feels like they're going down a very similar path. There is a, mm -hmm. a subversion there, although the, we also got to see moments from a musical number. It's just, it just happens to be a musical number about, I think, Stalin. Maybe. I, I wasn't sure. <laughs> uh, it's Jack but, uh, Black playing it's Jack the Black. part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, you know, great singer. So. Uh, so yeah, um, I thought this trailer was better too. I, I'll probably watch it and go in with absolutely no expectations, um, of anything good. And then maybe I'll, I'll chuckle. Um, I, I, I will say there was a joke that did make me laugh, but I also can't repeat the joke in this podcast, but it has to do with a certain famous book. Oh yes. That also made me laugh. Um, <laughs> that also made me laugh. Um, Going from funny to scary, we got a new trailer for The Consultant. We talked about this a few episodes back. It's um, Christoph Waltz being basically this guy who comes in to help run a company when their leadership dies. And it's really creepy. And it looks like there's a lot of like kidnapping and murder and scary stuff. And it just reminded me of that old children's book, Miss Nelson is Missing, but like darker. And, and Miss Nelson is Missing. There's a school teacher. Nobody ever listens to her. And so... She goes out sick, and this uh, this horrible substitute, Miss Viola Swamp, uh, comes in and is very mean to the kids. And the kids are like, oh, man, we wish we had Miss Nelson back. And then at the end, it turns out Miss Nelson was Miss Viola Swamp, but the kids never find out. They just behave better for her. I don't know. It feels like a very dark version of that. <laughs> Here's something that I think is really fascinating, Ariel. Mm-hmm. I realize I'm familiar with the book you described, but I had no idea what you meant when you wrote it in our show notes <laughs> because I had no memory of that story just based on Mrs. Nelson or Ms. Nelson. Uh -huh. But as you described, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've read that book. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's, it's one of those books that, you know, it, it's been a long time since I read it because it's been a long time since I've either taught children or have been a child, but it's integral to like my growing up. It's one of those books along with like Phantom Tollbooth and never ending story and Lord of the Rings that just stuck in my memory. Dinotopia. Um, yeah, I, uh, so this is the consultant. The series is actually based off a book. Oh, okay. So it's uh, not miss, but not miss Nelson is missing. No, not that okay. one. I forget the name of the author. I'd have to look it up again, but he's an author who has a ton of books that are mostly following the, the, uh, the title format of the, and then whatever it is like the consultant, the waitress, the accountant, things like that. The author and is Bentley little Bentley little and, uh, and Bentley little 
does not give interviews. He does not tend to promote his books, uh, really leads a very private life. And uh, I was unaware of the fact that this was based off a book till I looked into it a little further. And um, yeah, I'm curious about it because it does look pretty intense. I wonder how close it will follow the book. I know that Mm -hmm. previous adaptations of Little's work I've got the hiccups, y'all. This is like, this show's <laughs> going to go off the rails even more than Woo! usual. Um, but no, I know previous adaptations of Little's work have taken uh, great liberties with his storytelling. And I don't mm-hmm. know if how he feels about it because he doesn't give interviews, but I assume it's, I assume he's irritated, though I guess the money all spends the same. Um, the This trailer looks interesting. Uh, I think there's going to be kind of a dark humor to it as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, the question I kept asking myself is if I were in that situation, wouldn't I just like for realsies quit? (laughs) I mean, I would. Maybe they don't feel like they could quit or maybe they try and it doesn't work. Um, And you might be going, well, this this sounds more like intrigue. Why is it? Why? Why do you have it in geeky news? It's because it's like a game company that the dude takes takes over. It's like a mobile gaming company. And that. Uh, from what I understand, there's supposed to be this merger that then falls through, and that's why the consultant is called in, is to fix things after that. But as Ariel mentioned, uh, there also appears to be the murder of the boss, or maybe it's the suicide, or maybe it's a suicide, maybe it's a murder that's made to look like a suicide. We don't know yet. The trailer is purposefully vague about that, which makes sense. Um, Christoph Waltz just looks terrifying as he often does even when he's even when he's playing characters who aren't (laughs) i agree i agree um onto onto a trailer that's a little less terrifying uh the the creative team behind uh spider-man into the spider-verse has been up to more stuff than just working on spider-man noir they're also uh behind a new series coming to netflix called cartoon series called agent elvis yeah um how do you feel about this? You you saw the trailer, I'm sure. It, I don't. So first of all, Matthew McConaughey voices Elvis, which is. And, like, so, and he sounds exactly like Matthew McConaughey. He does. He, does. <laughs> he doesn't sound even remotely like Elvis. <laughs> Unless you think Matthew McConaughey already vaguely sounds like Elvis. Uh, well, yeah. If you think someone who has a Texas accent sounds like someone who is from Memphis, then yes. <laughs> so, look, some people are Southern accent agnostic and uh, they don't know. Uh, but so I didn't think that this was a show that ever needed to happen. It looks kind of cute. There's some cute little jokes. It feels like um, a more family friendly version of Archer a little bit to me. Um, I do like that they've got Elvis's family's um, involvement involvement and okay behind it because I, I feel I, like that's important. I thought it was weird because it doesn't look like like they're they're making Elvis look very capable uh, being an agent, right? It doesn't it doesn't look like the comedy is going to come from Elvis being fish out of water, not really suited for this. It's weird. Why did they pick him? He ends up being really capable at it, which just I sit there and I look at and I think I don't I don't really understand the hook for the show. It it, so there are things where he's like, oh, this and the person's like, 
like there's a, a bit in the trailer about what about this pen? Well, maybe that's just a nice pen, you know? Yeah. But um, then he, then he throws the pen across a room and hits a guy in the neck and kills him yeah, with it. But it's, but it's still just a pen. Um, so <laughs> that he see, can you're kill laughing. people with it. Like, you're laughing. I'm laughing at you. I'm not laughing at the show. <laughs> Now, if I watch the show with you and you try to explain all the jokes to me, then I'm going to be laughing. But again, not at the show. Maybe that's what we need to do with Velma. No. So I feel like maybe it's a get smart situation because, because like in get smart, he is a fish out of water. He's not all there, but he is also very capable. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just being too harsh on it. I will say, uh, I looked into it cause I was curious who else was voicing, and there I was wondering who was voicing his partner. It's Caitlin Olson. Um, okay. And I didn't I didn't know that at first. I had to I actually had to go to the Netflix page to find the information because IMDb only lists Matthew McConaughey in the cast. Mm. Um, Caitlin Olson. I love her. I love her. I love her. And uh, always sunny. She's great. She is uh, fantastic. She is very funny and very talented. So I was wondering because I thought I recognized the voice, but I couldn't place it. Uh, I would probably watch at least a little bit of this just to see what's going on, whether or not it clicks for me. I mean, it's only fair, right? I watched yeah. all of Velma for goodness sake. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I will say though? I really like the artistic style of it. Like the, it does look cute. Like it, it's interesting because nice. it, it doesn't, it doesn't immediately look exactly like anything else, which is great. Right. Yeah. It doesn't feel like they're copying the style of some other cartoon property. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, oh, man, we we're almost at an hour. We have so much left to talk about. OK, so going on from something we don't know if we need to something I I personally don't see a need for at all, which is we're getting a reboot of White Men Can't Jump like the movie. The original was OK. Yeah, it was. Never something I felt needed to be revisited. Like we've got that movie. Yeah. No, I'm, I completely agree with you. It's one of those where it's like, is there anything new to say that the original film didn't say? Maybe say it in a way that's not quite as dated. Like yeah. you could definitely do that. Which I think they've done. If you've watched the trailer, they they do, they have updated some references. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just that, um, yeah, like like out of all the different stories to tell, even to retell that one, like generally speaking, my thought is if you're going to do a remake, pick something that did not work for whatever mm-hmm. reason and then make it in a way where it does work. And that to me is much more interesting than taking something that worked just fine for what it was. It wasn't brilliant. It wasn't groundbreaking, but it was successful it was it was not seen as a failure of a film uh, either critically or commercially why remake that the original still yeah. there yeah um which had rosie perez and and woody harrelson and uh wesley snipes i think in it um i mean again i enjoyed the movie fine i was probably a little bit old like i was probably a little bit young to fully enjoy the movie when i watched it i'm gonna be quite honest um but yeah, I mean, if you like White Man Can't Jump, if you're really like, if you're like, I like this movie, but it's outdated and I want something that feels a little bit more current, great. I'm super excited for you. It looks, the acting looks good in the trailer and it looks well shot. It's just, to me, I've got that story already. Yeah. I mean, 
I guess, I guess so. Like, again, if you're looking, the other reason I would think of a remake is you want to tell a story that has been told before, but you want to bring it up to date so that current audiences can appreciate that story. White men can't jump does not quote unquote jump to mind as one of the ones (laughs) that I would pick for that kind of treatment. But you know, it may turn out that this is uh, as big or bigger of a success as the original. Yeah. I mean, we didn't think that a top gun, well, that was a sequel, but yeah, well, let's talk about a different sequel then. Okay. uh, I know what you did last summer. Well, yeah, I was staying at home because there was a pandemic going on. No, the the it's not a sequel. I Oh, it is a sequel. Um, I was going to say it's a reboot. No, it's a sequel to the movie I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yeah, so for those who are unfamiliar with this horror series. So during this time, there were a couple of horror series that, that kind of got uh, some legs. Scream was the big one, and we're still getting Scream films to this day. And another one was, I know what you did last summer. The original movie had a group of kids who are being irresponsible and driving down this dark road when they hit a fisherman. uh, And then they, they, they rush off trying to pretend like nothing happened and they all swear them each other to secrecy. And then my dog goes crazy. Tybalt doesn't like the idea of a sequel to I know what you did last uh, summer. I think he doesn't like the idea of an undead fisherman with a giant hook, uh, hunting people down and killing them one Fair. by one. Fair. Yeah, like, I don't either. Originally, like it's done where it feels like it's supposed to be, oh, the fisherman didn't die and eventually recovered and then is now seeking vengeance on the people who were responsible for his his accident, his injuries. Uh, but then by the time you get into the sequels, you're like, well, that just can't possibly be. He's like some revenant. He's like, He's like Freddy or Jason or Mike Myers. He's this unkillable force that keeps coming back. And uh, I don't know what drove them to go and do another sequel, but Freddie Prince Jr. and Jennifer Love Hewitt, who both appeared in the original film, are said to be in talks to appear in the sequel. Um, Interesting. Maybe it's yet another another example of, well, here was this really popular series that the the kids who saw it back when it first came out are now adults possibly with kids of their own. So let's tap into that market again. I, I would be shocked to learn. No, no, we, le- we realized we just hadn't told the whole story and we just had to get back to it. <laughs> Cause I don't yeah. think that, I don't think I know what you did last summer falls in that category. Yeah, I'd agree. But you know, as much as I sometimes get grumpy about this, like at the same time, there are properties that I'm like, please redo this. Give me a, an amazing Phantom Tollbooth movie because that's what I love and what I want to share with my kids. So I get if that's something that was like really integral to your childhood and you want to share it with your kids, but you know, they're going to have the Goonies effect if they watch it or they just don't like it because it's too outdated. I yeah. get it. I get it. I think what Ariel is trying to say is remake crawl for goodness sakes. We need a new crawl. I would watch it. Um, <laughs> Me too. I love crawl. <laughs> okay. It's not uh, good, but I no. love it. There, look, there are movies that are not good that I love, and there are movies that are not good that I wanted to love that I just don't. I can't find anything redeeming. Um, yeah, but, but your Kroll tattoo tells it all. She's got the glaive know. tattooed on her right shoulder blade, y'all. Is he telling the truth? You likely won't find out. Uh, okay, let's move on. Chang, Chang, Changity, Shabop, Shabop. Wow, great. 
listen here, beauty school dropout. I'll, I'll take it from here. So our next story is that we got another trailer for Greece rise of the pink ladies, the series that, that traces the origin of the pink ladies gang that we see in both Greece and Greece two. And we had already seen a trailer for this. We know, or at least a teaser. So we knew that it was going to introduce characters who are attending Rydell high years before the first film takes place. And that these are the young women who are the founders of the pink ladies. And in this trailer, we got a little bit more of a look at each of the members uh, kind of get an idea of where their place is within the society of Rydell high, what Mm. the, the, mood and culture is of the high school. It's pretty much what you would suspect. Uh, And we also got a word for word recreation of the pink ladies pact, which was not in Greece. It was in Greece too. And which makes y'all know I love (laughs) Greece too. I love Greece too. I think it's a better I don't think it's a good movie. I think it's more entertaining than the original Grease. And I, I will go to my death thinking <laughs> that not for everybody, but for me, Grease 2 is wonderfully bad. I, I, I would agree that Grease 2 is wonderfully bad. Um, we also got some music. So we got to hear so, some of the singing that will be in the show. You know, it's it's interesting because I watched Grease at a time where, you know, I didn't think super deeply about it when I first watched Grease because that wasn't where I was in life. I I always thought the pink ladies were like the cool kids. But in this trailer, I, it, like it never dawned on me before this trailer, quite honestly, that these pink ladies were not the cool kids. Yeah. That they capitalized on their not coolest coolness to become cool. Did you ever see the the film Crybaby? The John Waters movie, yes. Cry Baby. But it's so been a while. <laughs> in, in Cry, it's been a while. Cry Baby um, is, sorry, I watched a lot of Critical Role and they have no, no. beaten that into me. Uh, but no, uh, so in Cry Baby, you also have cliques in high school and you've got the squares who are all very straight laced, uh, clean cut kids. And you've got the drapes. And these are sort of the the dregs of society. They're like the punks, the the greasers, the all the different type of characters that you would associate with the T-Birds in Greece. And I feel like that is more of a model of what we're seeing here, right? Like these are outcasts who have found each other and they mm-hmm. bond over their shared uh, uh, outcast nature. And that's where they find that by by bonding together they can be a a real like force in Rydell High and I'm like this makes total sense like she i i got the feeling now like they're not the popular kids they're the kids that parents warn their children about like don't hang out with her she's a bad influence those are the kind of kids yeah yeah uh, well, I, I'm going to watch this. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Um, Jonathan, let me ask you, were you ever a fan of the TV show Luther? I have not watched Luther. I've seen, so like, I've always seen like the trailers and I always thought, wow, this looks amazing. Like really, really good. It's, it's the, the story 
of a cop who's more than willing to bend the rules a bit in order to sometimes just not just bend outright break rules in the pursuit of his uh, duties. And he's also perhaps a little like shady in some ways. And I thought it's kind of like the shield, but uh, English and, um, and I hadn't ever seen it. I watched the trailer for the, the fallen son, which is the film, the Luther movie that's coming Mm -hmm. out. And holy cow, it looks good. Like Idris Elba looks, he's so good. I, I agree. It like, it starts off, the trailer starts off with him in jail. Um, so if you haven't watched the series, that's where this character starts off, uh, and kind of escaping to, to hunt a killer. Um, yeah, it was, I watched a little bit of Luther when it first came out and it was very dark. And at the time that was not something I incredibly appreciated. So I didn't watch enough of it, but I did like what I watched. It's, you know, it's just one of those things where you're like, when you're going, what do I want to watch? And if you don't feel like something super dark, you just don't go back to it. Right. Yeah. Um, this, this trailer looks fantastic. Everything except for Andy Circus's hair. Andy Circus plays the villain in this and his hair is weird. It's just uh, listen, weird. Listen, Ariel, his hair is so important. Clearly that's his motivation for becoming a killer. Just, just too much volume. It's, it, it's just, his hair's bad and he it's has to so act bad. out. It's so bad. Um, you know, I, I look forward to Andy Circus is a good actor. He plays a good villain. I look forward to watching it. I'm, I'm going to watch this. I don't know if I need to watch all of, let me guys, if you've watched all of Luther, let me know if I need to watch all of Luther to, to watch fallen son, or if I can just jump into the movie, yeah, if they've I, written the movie well, I can just jump in. It definitely looks really compelling. Like the, the trailer is very, very well done. It's, mm-hmm. you know, you wrote in our notes here that it gives a very 007 kind of vibe. And uh, I totally get that as well. Like it's 007 mixed with a little Jason Bourne. But with yeah. Idris Elba. And by the way, if they remade the Born Identity and put Idris Elba in, even though he's older than Matt Damon was when he made those movies, holy crap, when I watch that. Isn't isn't that who um Oh my gosh, why can't John Krasowski is playing right now? Oh, uh Born? Maybe. No. I I thought he was playing Reacher. You're you're right, he's playing wait. No, no, he's not Reacher, because Reacher's a different series. Oh, he's playing. Uh, he's no, we're mixing up all of our, our stupid white heroes. Uh, he he's was playing Jack Ryan, Jack Ryan. Yes. From like, like I think of him from <laughs> the hunt for October <laughs> and uh, clear and present danger. But mm. yeah, so he's, he's following in the footsteps of people like Alec Baldwin and Harrison Ford. Uh, no, I would love to see Idris Elba in anything. Just keep, yeah. keep casting him. He's great. I agree. I agree. All right, we have two more news stories. These probably could have gone into 30 seconds or less, which is uh, Disney released a bunch of sequels. We're getting Toy Story 5, another Frozen, and another Zootopia, none of which I think are necessary. No, they announced these. First of all, okay, they announced these during an earnings call because we're in the, the, the span of time where publicly traded companies hold earnings calls with their investors to say how the last quarter of the last year went. With Disney, it went all right, except for the fact that they're still planning on cutting $700 million, and it sounds like that's all coming from the parks, mm-hmm. which for people who are really excited about possibly seeing Bob Iger invest more in the parks, it's probably a huge disappointment. They're also laying off around 7,000 employees, which is really tough. Streaming is still losing money. Not a big surprise there. 
but in the process, they announced these, these sequels. Uh, it does not do them any favors among the Disney fans who have been saying that the company has been uh, creatively bankrupt and is leaning far too heavily on established IP instead of creating new stuff. That being said, we did we have received lots of new Disney films over the past few years, like Turning Red and mm. Encanto. You know, those Which were, were those were those were not sequels to existing properties, and they're fantastic. Um, yeah. But yeah, I in particular, I am disappointed to hear there's going to be yet another Toy Story movie. Toy Story Four was unnecessary already. I don't know where they go with toy story five because spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen toy story four, but the toys are split up now. Like Woody is no longer with the gang. It's the reunion show. Please. Um, No, please. No, just look, I, I didn't watch toy story Four, despite the fact that there were some new characters they added that I thought looked fun. Um, you know, duck and bunny and Forky. forky. They, well, they had to sell more toys. Yeah. Um, but I didn't watch it. But yeah, I think it's unnecessary. Okay, maybe we could get a second Zootopia, but um, I don't know. I also don't think Frozen 3 is good. No. Like, I, I really, I mean, I get it. Like Frozen is is like a huge moneymaker for Disney as is Toy Story. I don't know. I, I've, seen, this- I've seen the Toy Story franchise. I have to tell you that in my opinion, the first film is probably my favorite simply because that was also, I saw it when it came out. Actually one of the first dates I ever went on with my partner was toy story, the original toy story. I took her to see it and she was not convinced she would like it. And by the time we walked out, she was like, you were right. That was amazing. And, um, and so that I have special emotional attachment to that movie. I think toy story two First of all, I had one of the most heartbreaking songs ever recorded mm-hmm. <laughs> play in the middle of that and be like, hey, do you want to cry now? Because we're going to make you do that. Um, and then uh, was just really heartfelt and entertaining. And then Toy Story 3, I didn't really I know a lot of people felt like they were completely like devastated by that. It didn't mm-hmm. affect me like that. See, that was like, I, I guess it. I guess it's just a. A, a point of where where you are in life and i'm not saying like how old you are but just where you are in your journey of life on on how that affects you because i know for like me and our good friend jen uh toy story 3 was incredibly emotional um for me it was the most emotional of all of them but then again i liked toy story 1 but i felt like the second half was just a giant chase scene and that got boring to me um which i know you dislike and disagree with and so i'm sorry for even bringing it back up no no i think you. i think it's a valid criticism i i found it an entertaining uh watch but you're right i mean it is pretty much a, a an extended chase sequence mhm um so like it, honestly if you break down a lot of like pixar disney movies they turn into that um <laughs> i mean cars has to be right because it's all about racing yeah cars <laughs> a little bit finding nemo um so and i love finding nemo uh best best musical at disney world um when it was there uh but disney has had a few misses i know that um someone was telling me that their like their new tron coaster was not necessarily as well thought out as it could have been based on like the size Sizing. of people 
sizing mm-hmm. the the size of the average size of of the park attendee in the U.S. versus the average size of the park attendee in Tokyo, which is where the Tron cycle Shanghai Shanghai. I'm sorry, I am very wrong. Please forgive me. Shanghai. Uh, there's just like a the average person is a different size, and they yeah. didn't resize the cars to suit, which is honestly an oversight. I'm surprised they made. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, uh, I am not a tall guy, so I suspect that I'll be able to ride it just fine when I next go to Disney, which will be in December. Um, and maybe Ariel will be there too. We don't know yet. <laughs> Depends on my amount of PTO. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, I, I know that Disney has good things in the work that are not, at least not derived off of other Disney pre-established movies. They, they might be derived off of other works, but, um, I, I am excited about things in the Disney milieu, but, um, that are coming up, but I just, yeah, these, these three things, um, why, why is this, (laughs) this what you're announcing? I I think these should be direct to like streaming direct to Blu-ray yeah. Yeah. We're, it's it's kind of like back in the old direct to VHS tape days yeah. where we got all the different sequels to Disney films. Lion um, King and Aladdin and all that. Yeah. Bob Iger did say, although I mean, I'll believe it when I see it, but Bob Iger did say that the creative side for, you know, being like all the, the, the shows and films and stuff that are produced that they were going to take a more methodical and thoughtful approach to that to make sure that they produce things they're proud of and that are that, that meet the standard and not just churn stuff out, which I would actually really welcome. Mm -hmm. I feel like Marvel has suffered from that a bit. Uh, Star Wars certainly I feel has suffered from that. So if, if that's actually true uh, and if they really do focus on things and if the people who have the really cool creative ideas actually get the opportunity to tell the stories that they're thinking up. I think that would be incredible. I am skeptical just because like when you're announcing stuff and it's all sequels to existing IP, it doesn't seem to back that up, but you know, we'll hold out hope. I mean, also like there's that awkward, uh, there's that awkward adjustment of like Chappic leaving and And Iger coming back and everything up from the pandemic. So like, there is a little bit of grace there, but it definitely is to me falling below what they have set their standard as. Well, and he, he did. Iger also did say he reiterated that he is not back for good. His plan is to lead the company for a couple of years while creating a better succession plan. I mean, I, which is good, but like he was involved in the last succession plan and that's when Chapit came in. So I, yeah. I don't, again, like I'm holding out hope, but I am not overly confident. Uh, but you know, maybe, maybe in a couple of years we'll say, wow, what a phenomenal transformation. And keep in mind, like as, as hard as I'm coming down on Disney right now, I still love a lot of the stuff that they've produced over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not really the company's uh, fault that, uh, or at least it can't be entirely their fault that a lot of the stuff that I saw didn't resonate with me, but things like Encanto totally 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we're uh, we're coming to the end, just like our last story. Uh, we got a trailer for the final season of The Flash. I haven't watched watched the last couple seasons. I honestly thought the show was already over. Um, <laughs> it looks, I mean, it looks good. If you like The Flash, it looks like they're they're really working on tidying and tidying it up. But at the same time, it kind of feels like more of the same to me. I um I've missed a few episodes of The Flash. Uh, I've missed the last eight seasons. Um, okay. And this is the trailer for season nine. Mm-hmm. So I haven't so, seen any. But uh, <laughs> but you know if if you are if you are a completionist or if you really like The Flash, I really liked the first few seasons of The Flash. It wasn't a perfect show, but it was quite enjoyable, and I liked all of like the the crossover episodes of everything. Um, yeah. The trailer's out, so now you can kind of see what you're in for as the story wraps up. Yeah, I thought the trailer looked looked good. I mean, like, as I was watching it, I was thinking, okay, I don't have the context. I don't know who these characters are. I don't know what's immediately going on here. But if you divorce yourself from that, I thought the trailer was well made. I thought people looked like they were really putting their all in the production of the show. Like, it looked good. It looks like a good show. It's just a show that I never started to watch, which is like looking back on it. I think it's kind of crazy that I never got into all the DC television stuff because unlike the films, I felt the TV universe of DC was doing things in a way that made a lot more sense to me than well, the films did. And, and for me, cause I did watch many seasons of arrow and I, I gave up on legends of tomorrow far too soon. I, you know, I watched, some of Constantine, the, the little bit we got of it. And I watched a lot of The Flash um, and I watched a lot of Supergirl. Um, I thought the casting in these shows was really, really good. Grant Gustin as as The Flash uh, is endearing. I really like him as the character. I really like Iris West. I really like Joe West. I really like Cisco um, and, and all of the other characters. Um, I can't remember all the actors' names at the moment, but I... I have really enjoyed the casting. I've really enjoyed their acting. The writing hasn't always been great, but their performances have always been stellar to the point where sometimes I have preferred them over the movie versions. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I remember when they were talking about the casting of justice league, where you had a very vocal fan base of the flash television series fans who were incredibly disappointed that they went with Ezra Miller. Yeah, but I mean, you know, and Ezra Miller's character for all of the actors' flaws um, was interesting. It was a really interesting take. Um, but yeah, I I really like Grant Gustin. Um, I think he would have been great in the movies, you know. But in this new DCU, we will get someone who can cross over if needed, or will cross over if they show up in both uh, TV and movies. Um, but just as the flash is coming to an end, so is this episode. Thank you for sticking through all of it with us. Yes. It's, uh, been an epic episode, uh, only slightly less epic. Once I take out the coughing fit I had in the middle that y'all won't have to hear Ariel only had to like, hear some of it. It was only like three seconds. Uh, yeah. it's not going to be, um, but yeah, uh, if you have, you know, thoughts on anything we talked about, you should write us and tell us. Jonathan, I am afraid to ask, but how can they do that? It's very, very simple. So you get yourself a pen and a piece of paper 
and you put your, your non-dominant hand down on the piece of paper. You fan your fingers out, trace your fingers very methodically. And when you're done, uh, remove your hand from the piece of paper and then fill in the details to make the little outline you've created of your hand into a turkey. And just think about the question you want to ask me as you decorate your turkey. Just imbue that turkey with the question. That turkey's mind has one thing in it, and it's your question to me. And when you are done, you will fold this sheet of paper with your turkey on it into the shape of a paper airplane. Go to the highest point of your general vicinity, toss that into the air, immediately turn around. Do not watch where it goes. If you do, I will not get your question. And then it will journey to me, whereupon I will be able to read your question and I will answer by whispering into your ear late at night because I'm in your room. I'm always there. And if that absolutely creeps you out, like it creeped me out, uh, you can write us uh, on Twitter. We're LNC underscore podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and discord. We're larger and drunk lighter. Um, and yeah, we love hearing from you. Uh, we love t- uh, spending this time with you. And if you love spending this time with us, tell your friends, rate and review us uh, all that fun stuff. Yep. And remember, we have the show notes up at www.largenerdroncolliter.com. Sometimes it takes Ariel a little bit to get these notes up, but she's a busy woman, so give her some slack. But you can go back and look at the links to all the different stories we've covered in past episodes as well. So make sure you go and check that out. Yes. And until next time, I am Ariel Hand Jive Caston. And I am Jonathan Gobble Gobble. Strickland. The Large Nerdron Collider was created by Ariel Caston and produced, edited, published, deleted, undeleted, published again, cursed at by Jonathan Strickland. Music by Kevin McLeod of Incomptech.com.